0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture,
1: and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran. All right. Hello, everybody. What is going on? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for locking in. Before I get into today's... ...like what's going out there. Starting on Tuesday nights, I'm going to be
2: recording live from imperial on thursday
1: night and, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun and my guest today is gonna be somebody well i'm gonna drag his ass out here to one of these uh shows aaron quinn cover one what's going on buddy i see you early on hopefully it's not showing up on my uh, audio but i been having some microphone issues the mic keeps going
3: out anyway how you doing buddy i'm living the dream man although uh, here and you're in, in Western New York, the The rain is miserable. We had a little bit of a heat wave here yesterday with some nice, sunny, uh, yeah. warm weather. We got to look at the sun and, and take some sunshine in. But now I was just saying I dropped my kids off at school and talking to the parents. I'd almost rather it be snowing, Pat. I know you hate snow, but this rain and like Four thirty-eight, forty 38, 40 degrees is way worse than just, just go snow. No,
1: I don't care. I'm, I'm a rain guy typically, but I like rain when it's nice out, like when it's spring and it's not spring, 40 right, degrees sure. cold, it's cold. Get like 40 degrees or 40 uh, mile an hour winds I'm talking, hearing about later on uh Thursday, which by the way, I say this every week, Aaron and I are recording this Thursday morning. So some crazy breaking happens on Thursday. You're hearing this Friday.
3: Oh, well. Tremaine Edmonds gets extended while we're doing this. Well, we won't <laughs> talk about
1: it. I want, well, at some point I got it in my notes here. I actually wrote down a few things today. You and um Greg did a great show last night, Wednesday night on your cover one Buffalo podcast, going through your off season priorities, which I kind of hate you guys because I worked late and it was around 11 o'clock or so. And I kind of put you on for a quick background. Like I was working on some other stuff and I, but I wanted to hear it. And I put it out. I was like, all right, I'm going to listen for 10, 15 minutes. I ended up listening for the full hour. I got to bed much later than I mm-hmm. wanted to. But it was a good show, though. And, I, and there was a couple I of appreciate that you and Greg hit on that I want to talk about on this show as well. Before that, though, primarily like today's or premier subject, going to be Gabe Davis. I I got to have this conversation. It's a very subject. Touch- Are we going to fight subject.
3: that? Are we going to fight that? We today? might.
1: We might. I don't know, which is funny because had we said that a season ago or six months ago, I would have been on the side that I'm ready to dig in and, and defend Gabe Davis to the end of this earth. I am a big Gabe Davis fan, and I have been for quite a while, but I'm kind of down on him right now. I want to get your thoughts on him and how you think things might play out within this offseason. Before that, though, uh, let's start with some actual news because I thought this was newsworthy. Um, earlier this week, Jesse Pagula put out a article in the Players' Tribune, which I really like that. I, I love when players or athletes – I actually, get the break news instead of it leaking to the media. But anyway, let me read a quote. This is regarding the condition of her mother, um, Kim Bagula. It read Today, my mom is still in recovery. And although it is the same answer every time someone asks me, it is true. She is improving every day. She's dealing with significant expressive aphasia and significant memory losses. She can read, write, and understand pretty well, but she has trouble finding the words to respond. It's hard to deal with. And it takes a lot of patience to communicate with her. But I thank God every day that we can still communicate with her um, at all. So, I, and then there was another significant um, revelation about this too, Aaron. Um, Her sister, Kelly, gave her CPR and like quite literally saved her life. And, um, you know, I, I just, again, your reaction to this, it, it's nice to finally get an update from the source itself. And, you know, this is something I've seen conspiracy theorists on Twitter and Facebook, you know, saying that she was dead and, you know, this and that. And we didn't know anything. So it's it's nice to hear some news. But at the same token, you know, it's not great news. What what were your thoughts when
3: you when you saw this? Yeah. One is not going to stop the conspiracy theorists. You could freaking put her right in front of their faces and they would call it fake. Um, So that's never going to go away. Uh, I think. I didn't. There was nothing in there that I didn't already assume mm-hmm. uh, was going on in the situation, so it wasn't necessarily news outside of the horrible idea that uh, Kelly had to give CPR to her mom who was in cardiac arrest. That image sort of stuck in my head as like just how difficult something like that has to be. Um, I know my wife and I have been talking about it since the Demar Hamlin incident. It's a time for us to just go and get CPR classes done. I think. If any, if any Bills fans over the last two months haven't realized, like, those are important things, we should probably all take seriously. Um, and just there's this weird demanding for information from the public sometimes um, that I think is unfair. And I, that was pretty um, clear in that article of like, yeah, they do want to talk about it. And talking about it is part of the healing process, right? Like, I've had close friends of mine uh, pass away, and it's hard to find uh ways to get over traumatic things and talking about it and writing about it does help but at the same time we need to respect people's privacy and, and stuff like this big traumatic events where people are in the ICU they need time they like there's a recovery process there's a lot that goes into it and it doesn't need to be public like they need to be able to go about that in their own ways and deal with it as a family in their own ways and the type of pressure that she felt of uh people wanting to know their information that's what i feel bad about how our sort of society is today i can't imagine uh you know what Damar hamlin's family must feel like oh. when they look online and see people like demanding that he be brought out in front to prove that he's alive. Like, dude, they just went through something they lost their son for freaking 10 minutes on a football field. And like the guy had a major medical event, like back the hell off of these people a little bit and allow them to have the time and the space to process this traumatic event. Uh, we just don't, we don't seem to respect each other. I think that's all ultimately where it's at. And uh, so I'm glad though, it sounded like this was a part of the healing process for Jessica and being able to write this down and get it out there and get that message out. Um, but I I do feel for the whole Pagula family here and probably a lot of the people within the Sabres and bills organizations. I do believe that is a tight knit, uh, community here in Buffalo. And I, when they talk about being a family and all those things, I think it's all true. Um, and I think we talked a lot about the top shooting, the, um, Matariza stuff, like all the different events the Bills team went through, the snowstorms, the Damar Hamlin thing. And I think we kind of brushed over maybe how difficult it was early in that summer where things were going on with Kim Pagula and probably not everyone in the organization knew. And not only outside of the fact that somebody you care about and are close with and work with is, is suffering through a medical trauma, but she's a big deal in the Bills organization. There probably had to be changes to secession plans and changes to people's roles. And the organization didn't really allow us to feel that as fans. They just kind of kept it to themselves and nobody felt the repercussions of it. But I guarantee you it was felt internally. And it was another thing um, in terms of adversity that this team had to face that really nobody talked about because they kept it so private.
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, you you can add this to the list, you know, all this stuff and we don't need to rehash it all, but add the fact that their team president and co-owner was near death, and and is still, uh, you know, has a long way to go, according to to what her da- her daughter said. Really tricky subject because at, at one token it's like yes, you've got to respect privacy. At the other token, she is a team president and co owner of a team, and you know that information. She's a public figure, but it's like, you know, it's a really. The, the, I don't know that there's a right. Actually, I do know that there's a right answer because I I think it was handled the right way. Let when the time comes and when the time's right, let somebody from the family or when they feel like. It's the right time to release some information. Uh, they do real quick. By the way, if you're listening to this on the audio side, there's not going to be any issues with the digital audio. If you're watching this on the YouTube side, for some reason, StreamYard, which is what Aaron and I record on, is being a little wanky today, a little wonky. Uh, my microphone has went in and out a couple of times. So you might hear that on the video side, but on the audio side, it's uh going to be fine. Real quick, before I can dive into some other stuff, I got to say this because I just hate this guy as a human being, Aaron Rodgers. I, I really do not like this person. I I, there's not many people out there where I root personally for bad things to happen to you, but I'm at that point with him. He's dicking around the Green Bay organization and fans are on the league again. He's going on a he's on a four-day darkness retreat or whatever the fuck it is that he's doing to contemplate his future. Look, first of all, none of us are stupid. Neither of us are stupid. Dune ain't retiring. Mm, I don't know. Me people age, on Twitter
3: tell me I'm pretty stupid all yeah, the time. Yeah, so they, I don't know. That, that's fair.
1: He's not retiring, dude. He's not going to share a stage five years from now in Canada, be it second or third fiddle to Tom Brady and, and, and J.J. Watt. Your boy's playing. You know he's playing. He knows well, he's, he's playing. He ain't my boy. Well, uh, your boy isn't like the few Packer fans that probably don't hate him. But seriously, I'm so grateful. I'm, forget about Josh Allen on the field. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers is a legend on the field. I'm not going to mm-hmm. take that away from him. Although him. he is a regular season Savant, who kind of ends up having a lot of pedestrian playoff performances. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm just talking about annual, year after year. This guy just dicks his fan base around uh, just an attention-seeking whore. That's what Aaron Rodgers is. Do you care about this some darkness retreat? And I I guess I'll ask you a question since we are talking about him. We both know he's going to play. Do you think he's going back to Green Bay when it's all said and done, or do you think he's going to go somewhere else? And if so, where can you see him going? What would you bet on?
3: Um, one, I want to start off. I agree with you. I think he's a huge douchebag. Um, I think it's only getting worse. Um, he was always, that was the, one of the reasons he slipped in the draft is people didn't like his, the way he came off in interviews. He was too smug. He's too cocky. He's kind of a prick. Talent overrides that for a long time. Um, now that that organization that was coming up against his talents, maybe starting to slip, they don't have the money to bring in the weapons. Now it starts to look worse for him. Also, man, some rich white people are weird as hell. Like last year he did the like weird ass colon cleanse retreat where he like blew out his intestines with some like all natural stuff. And now he's doing this darkness retreat. It's like, dude, like I get it. I'm into meditation. I'm into yoga. I'm into all those things. Like take care of yourself. But like at some point it gets a little weird. Um, Yeah. And I, I do believe his mind was already made up to where he wants to be. I don't believe he's some... He tries to play off as some like new age philosopher nowadays. Where he, I think he listens probably to too much Joe Rogan and all these freaking bros that think they're way smarter than they are, and just overdoes it and is dramatic. It's dramatized. He goes on Pat McAfee and just like smugly answers all these questions. And oh, I will find out in my darkness retreat. Like I'd be pissed if I was a Packers fan for sure. Like you are getting dicked around a little bit. If I was the Packers, I would just not. I would just want to move on from him at this point, I think you need to start the process of rebuilding. You've had what 20 years of hall of fame, quarterbacking and chances at super bowls. And now you got this guy that's just kind of dicking you around and his contract doesn't really leave you much room. And he's kind of a jerk about all the things. So I I do think it's time for them to move on and that might hurt for a few years while they figure that out, but that's okay. I think that you're at that point in terms of teams uh, to go to, I think probably the front runners for that would be the New York jets. We've heard, um, you know, their organization is going to try to go all in on trading for veteran QB. There's probably no better option out there, uh, than Aaron Rodgers, And so I I think that they would be probably the favorites. I don't know what Vegas has. And then Las Vegas would be another one. We know the familiarity with Don Adams. We know that they're getting rid of car. They're in the market as well for a quarterback. So I could see it playing out that scenario. Um, I, don't, I can't think of maybe any other teams that would have the resources available to go out and do it. I think it's probably high between those two, maybe Miami, you know, depending, but they seem to be at least the organizational message is that they are still in on Tua. Yeah. Tua's their guy and that they're going to get there, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Last I heard just a couple of weeks ago that he was still in concussion protocol weeks later, so there's a little bit of unknown there where that could be maybe a sleeper. And with Tom Brady officially supposedly retiring, that takes one of the pieces off the board of guy, you know, people had him going to Miami, stuff like that. Maybe new Orleans saints. Although I don't imagine they have any money or assets well, to be, you know I don't know
1: how they do it. Cause you're right. They never have any salary cap room, which I guess proves that that the cap to some extent is a myth because Ian Rappaport just reported this week that Derek Carr is actually the front runner to end up with the Saints. who ain't going to be cheap.
3: I don't know how the hell. And you require some capital, right? You would have to yeah. trade for him. I
1: don't
3: know. Oh, Carr? Right. Yeah. Before yeah, they yeah, does yeah, yeah, his yeah. deal, he gets some guaranteed money here coming up. Yeah, yeah. Real soon if he's not traded, right? Right. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. So, um,
1: I don't know, man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers this week in that Pro-Am golf tournament last week was talking about the Raiders, you know, that their fans have been the most vocal. Then you got Devontae Adams. I don't know, man. I, we're, you're probably going to see Aaron Rodgers this year again if if you're Buffalo because, obviously, we went to the Jets, they see him twice. They play the Raiders this year. Uh, you know what I remember most of Aaron Rodgers over this past year? I think he was scared to, to play Buffalo last year. And really, the, the way they played that game, that Green Bay, uh, that Sunday night game, almost they played scared of the Bills, which is weird. It was like when the Apex, when the Bills were – like this larger than life team early in the season anyway. And it just felt like uh Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they just played them uh scared. But anyway, I just I don't like him, and I, I don't. And there's not a lot of players. There's players that I don't necessarily like, but I still roof, you know, I don't want shitty things to happen to him, but he's the exception. I fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. I I I really do. Um where did I want to go? Oh, I know you're a basketball guy to some extent, for sure. And I could do this entire podcast talking about LeBron and Michael, which in a way I hate it, but in a way I love it. Anyway, first the news part, and this was a big deal this week. Uh, LeBron became the NBA's all-time leading scorer. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Home game, which they lost, by the way, Tuesday night against Oklahoma City. It was kind of weird, uh, the vibes with Kareem. Just uh, <laughs> looking. at, uh, uh, he didn't look like he was too happy to be there, but, ultimately you know, you know where this is going it was always going to go there and it always has been for years now the old uh lebron versus michael debate uh i think i know because you literally became a bulls fan for a reason and um i i'm still going to get your take because again mm-hmm. whether we want to talk about it or not whether it's fair or not let me get your mm-hmm. thoughts lebron yep. versus michael do you like the comparison? Do you think it's a fair comparison? What do you think? Where do you fall when it comes to all of this? I got some thoughts and some notes I actually wrote down, but I want to hear from you first.
3: Yeah, I mean, this one's tough for me to maybe remove my bias here. I try to be level-headed when I talk about sports. I'm a Michael Jordan fanatic, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a 90s kid, right? I was born in 1984 bulls were everything to me even more so than the bills um my room as a kid i cut out every single michael jordan image my room was just taped michael jordan stuff all over the place i wore my jordan jersey to school every day he was just different dude like the 90s really was a period of time where like globalization started to happen and and big time marketing around sports and you just had some of the. And he was the guy that lifted it, right? Everywhere he went in the world, every kid in Africa, like no matter where you went in the world, everyone knew who Michael Jordan was because of the era that he was playing. And he just lifted the game in such a way that I don't think we've ever seen an athlete rise a sport to the level that he has um, and that he did. And just the the body of work that he put together as well, I think backs up the evidence that he's the greatest. I, I think it stops at him. It's number one. Um, I think players before him, when you start talking about that like Kareem, Will, Bill Russell era, I hate to be a sound like a, a young guy that doesn't respect that stuff, but I don't. I don't really respect the NBA like pre 1970. I just don't, I think it was a bad version of basketball. You had like a few really premier athletes that were just dunking on dudes that were plumbers and freaking janitors at high schools that belong in like men's leagues nowadays. And so I, I don't think there was really a fair. NBA, I, didn't, I don't think it started to get good until the 90s. I'm also not one of these people that believe 90s basketball was everything and uh, that guys that play nowadays couldn't survive in the 90s. I think that talk is also a little bit overblown. That Jordan also probably put up some big numbers on guys that wouldn't make it and wouldn't survive in the NBA today. Athletes are better now than they've ever been. Um, I have problems with the way the game is, but I also am a big-time LeBron hater. And I've always been Um, I like his game. He's great. I'm not going to sit here and deny that he's a great player. He's phenomenal. And he, the longevity that he's done it with is unprecedented in my opinion, with uh, how he plays the game and how long he's been able to do that for. Um, But I don't, I didn't like the way he handled portions of his career. And while it's probably unfair because in the nineties, we didn't have access to athletes like we do nowadays. Jordan would look probably a lot different if Twitter existed. Um, Not the best guy, probably on and off the, or off the court. I think we probably have a different opinion of how he is. I think where I'll give LeBron the most credit is I don't know that we've ever had an athlete at such a young age, right? High school kid have so much, um, fandom and stardom handed to him and the, the amount of attention that's been on him. And the second he got to Cleveland, he's the cornerstone of not just that Cleveland franchise, but of the NBA really, he came in to save the NBA at that time and be the face of the league. And he's done it and he's done it with um, while I don't always agree with his decisions and he's done some crying and stuff on the court, we've never had scandals or anything right. associated to him. He's never had it. And that's a lot of pressure, man, for somebody to live up to that and and do it with the type of grace that he's been able to do. I My hat's off to him, right? He, and he's built a big business along the way. I don't love that he left Cleveland and joined a super team to get his titles. I, I felt like that was a a heel turn in for wrestling terms. Like it was uh, (laughs) a little bit and whatever it ended up working out for him. And then now he's at a point in his career. What really bothered me recently. And this sounds like an old guy take is he's getting to the points, right? He's getting to be all time leading point guy, but their team sucks. And he's just padding stats along the way. And it seems like the Lakers right now are just all about LeBron and his image and him trying to get his son in the league. And there is a lot of ego associated to it, but he's a great player. I don't think that's debatable. I do think recently I had Kobe ahead of him. I think he's past Kobe for me. I, I will put him at two, uh, but I don't think that he can be where Jordan is. I, I believe even though you didn't need super teams now to compete for championships, I still am a believer that the NBA basketball is one of the sports that is more influenced by one player than maybe any other sport. Absolutely. Like you can have a great quarterback in the NFL and never even sniff a title, right? Like just yeah. because it takes... 11 guys on each side playing really well. And as a team, hockey really is the same way. Like you can have great players on a hockey team, but you really need to play as a team and have different lines. Uh, most sports require more of a team thing where I do believe the NBA can be led by a great individual. And because he wasn't able to do the things that Jordan was able to do, like. I, if Jordan doesn't retire, you can't convince me they don't win 8 in a row. Like any Jordan got to the finals, you can't convince me he wasn't going to rip out everybody's heart on the way to get a championship. And I think that just makes him that much different and puts him above the rest. 6 and 0 in the finals isn't by mistake, right? Like that that's real and I think that's the stuff that keeps him as the greatest of all time. And he he had a, he retired, whatever the reasons why he retired in the middle. If if Jordan plays those 2 years, like everything's totally different. I saw some stat the other day that Jordan could come back right now and not score for 114 games and still have a higher points per game than LeBron James. Like that, That's an impressive feat that we've never seen. I don't know. I MJ is up there, greatest of all time. I, I'm going to have a hard time finding anybody that's going to knock him off.
1: I'll tell you right now, and I, this is a petty stat, and I saw it on Twitter, but I, I thought it was kind of humorous, actually. When LeBron broke the record earlier this week, he only needed 4,000 more points in the fourth quarter to, to catch Michael Jordan's uh, points per game average. Anyway, ultimately I fall with Michael Jordan too, but I I, I do want to say I I hate the comparison. I understand, especially when you're content creators, this is what we do. We pick topics and we talk about them. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we we debate them. I've always hated this comparison. And it's a little hypocritical to me because I-
0: They're not the same player.
1: They're not the same player. They're completely different types of players. It's like, and someone pointed this out to me. Actually, I think it was on Twitter, and I thought it was a very fair point. I wish I knew what it was so I can give him credit, but they said it's like Josh Allen and Mahomes in a way, and what he meant was this. Every time Josh Allen does something great, every time Josh Allen has a great game, the first thing most people do is instantly compare it to Patrick Mahomes. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, can't you just celebrate both guys? They are completely different types of players. Another thing about this comparison that bothers me a lot, it triggers me, 80% 80% of the fans who will say LeBron's better and never really have seen Michael play. I think you need to be at least your age. You need to be in your late 30s or, or, or around 40 to to know Michael and have watched him play. If you're younger than that, you know, if you're 40 years old, that puts you, what, born in 1983? So you're a teenager. You're, you're 10, 11 years old. You're starting to know a lot about sports when Michael really became – a great elite player and started winning titles. You, you know yeah. him at that point. But if you're younger than that, you never really seen him play and You're relying on what other people say and you're relying on, on highlight reels and stuff like that. So I think there needs to be an age when the guys are uh, this close. But I, and I wrote down some numbers for Michael, all right? He led the league in scoring 10 times. 10 times he led the league in scoring, including seven straight years. He averaged... 33.4 points per game in 37 playoff series. And then he averaged 33.6 points per game in his six NBA finals. So he was just as good in the playoffs as he was in the regular season, which obviously was elite five-time NBA MVP, um, nine-time first-team all-defensive player.
3: Yeah, and that doesn't get talked about enough. No,
1: no, nine times. He's pretty, Now
3: LeBron, yeah. to be fair, is a five-time uh, first team all defensive. I point. will say though, LeBron's defense is different. In how we look at defense nowadays, I, LeBron's defense has always bothered me because he just takes risks and gets sure. big blocks. And sure,
1: like I agree. Rebounds to assist. Um, Michael with the Bulls. You know, you think he's only a guy who only scored the basket? That's not true. He's six six point three rebounds, five point four assists. His average during his thirteen seasons with the Bulls. I ain't counting his two shitty years at the end with uh, the Washington Wizard. Anyway, it's only 1.2 less rebounds than LeBron and two assists less than him per game for his career. Um, what else I got here? Oh, also his global impact on the game, pop culture, just phenomenal. I mean, the sneaker brand. He just, he raised, now LeBron has done that some as well, but I mean, Michael really took it from. Uh, he doesn't get that without what Michael did though. Absolutely not. Um and by the way, again, you know, you would think LeBron is a much better field goal percentage. Michael Jordan was a shitty three-point shooter. That's like if there's one thing about him that's overrated because you'll see some highlights where he's hitting threes, you know, like the Portland game where he had six in the first half sure. and shrugged his shoulders. Michael sucked. He was a shitty three-point shooter. But they had the exact that identical. game, though. Woo, <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. But they had the identical field goal percentage for their career. They're both at uh, .505 for their career. So that's Michael's credentials. They, you know... They're unrivaled LeBron. There needs
3: to be a little bit of um, for people that don't know the difference between the games too. I think hand checking matters. Sure. And you're not allowed to hand check in the NBA anymore where uh, that, what that means is like people being able to get a hand on you out on the perimeter. It's harder to drive to the basket with it when you're getting hand checked. There's a video out there, Pat. I'll share it with you when we get off here. It's like a 13, 14 minute YouTube video of new players old players players that played with against both LeBron and MJ talking about what would it look like MJ in the league nowadays and almost universally all those guys are like dude MJ would drop 40 a night like it's not even a question that the way the game is today and you even saw it in this game against uh who were they playing here um when LeBron got the bucket anyways in that game in the third quarter you look at the scoreboard and it's like 101 to 98. Pat, like yeah. y- in the nineties, that just didn't exist. Right. They, they got games to hundred, but the way the game is now, it's almost like the M- NBA or NFL where it's all about scoring. It's all about offense. They would, they just want offense. And if you put Michael Jordan in, in this game, even with his lack of ability to shoot the three, he would just absolutely dominate. And all these NBA players are like, yeah, no, it would be 40 a game and nobody could touch him. I
1: agree 100%. and Yeah, back in those days, man, the Knicks, the Detroit the Pistons, Indiana Pacers, they played a much more physical brand with a lot of defense. Now, in fairness, again, to LeBron, I want to be fair about this. His credentials are extremely valid. So if you want to say LeBron, you're, it's not a horrible argument. You have, you have some ground to stand on. The longevity, 20 years he's been in the league, and he's just productive statistically right now at 38 as he was when he was in his early 20s. He's a four-time MVP, five-time first-team all-defensive player. He did lead the league in scoring once. He's been the 10 NBA Finals. Now he's only four and six in the Finals. But still, he's been to the NBA Finals 10 times. And you spoke on this earlier. To me, the single most impressive thing about LeBron James in his career that no one else has ever done— Nobody, especially in basketball and maybe not in sports period, has ever came into a league more hyped with more pressure and been heralded as a savior, as a teenager ever than LeBron. Yeah, Kobe didn't have that hype. He was in high school. I was watching him play high school basketball on Mm -hmm. ESPN right now Mm -hmm. as amazing as Michael turned out to be. Michael Jordan was not even the best player in his rookie class. Akeem Olajuwon was the the lottery pick. He was the best player coming out of college. Sam Bowie was the second overall pick, but that was more fit for Portland. All-time, obviously, worst pick. But then, and then Michael. But, like, LeBron was the guy since he was a teenager, man. He's been, he was followed around by paparazzi, like a rock star as a teenager. No one has ever had the expectations that he has, and... And in in an
3: era where everything is scrutinized and if you slip up once, right, like people would just kill you. And he's completely lived up to the hype and in a lot of ways
1: exceeded it, man. Again, 10, 10 finals appearances, all the MVPs, four rings. No one has ever done it under the public eye with more pressure. Michael became this astounding basketball player. He ascended into it. LeBron, it was expected of him when he was 16 goddamn years old. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, I don't long story short dude I just I don't think there's a really a wrong answer. I
3: I'm a Michael guy, I know you are as well. And there's I, a wrong answer. You can't put LeBron over him. You can't. That's a wrong answer, Pat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I
1: agree. I think I think you can. I I say Michael, but I
3: I don't know. I think LeBron is the greatest athlete to ever be in the NBA. I th- that's where I can give him greatest of I can't give him greatest player. I think he's the greatest all around player again.
1: And I I hate the comparison because if you're ever going to make a comparison, it's Michael and Kobe. I think Kobe is 90% of what Michael was. They're the same type of player though. Ruthless Mm -hmm. mercenary type players who would run over their mom to win a basketball game. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Scored the basketball played really intense defense. Um, You know
3: who doesn't get enough uh, talk in this top five? Ooh. This might be a topic for another pod. Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah. You're preaching the choir. I'm a big Akeem guy, man. I think he just wasn't marketable. Struggled with language, but dude, the, the go look at his stats. If people want to look at like a all around player. I agree. I
1: agree. A hundred percent. You know, Maybe even next week, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to talk about our favorite basketball players of all time. Now, I'm not saying the best necessarily. It's, you know, give me three or four of your favorites. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about necessarily guys who you think are three of the four best. All right, we'll, we'll lead the conversation there. I, I half agree with you because I am also on Team MJ. But at this point, with what LeBron's done for 20 years and still playing at the level that he is, if you want to tell me that LeBron's the guy, I think you at least have a case. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't have even heard this case. Like if we were at court right now and I was a judge, I would have threw this shit out and said, you're delusional. Now I would hear your case. If that makes sense. Anyway. All right. Let's take a quick break. Come back. Um, we're going to have a Gabe Davis discussion. One that I've wanted to have for a handful of weeks though.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports
1: fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, live up to the minute, look no further than odds Trader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts. If you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most, if you're going to go with the favorites, odds trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you could keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, Make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn. I'm telling you, I'm not lying, man. We could have we could have a two and a half hour episode right now where I could have just kept talking basketball There's MJ and LeBron and started talking about some other guys as well. But I do want to talk about Gabe Davis. I, I just think this is, this is going to be the most polarizing topic this off season for sure. Well, long-term sure right now, I think maybe what happens with Tremaine Edmonds over the next couple of weeks is going to be, uh, the biggest topic. Um, again, I want to reference what I heard on Wednesday night on the show that you and Greg did on cover one, about your off season priorities, uh, Greg's and I and I found this interesting. Greg's top priority
3: was to fix the slot position. Um, only because I he knew what mine was going to be right. Both of ours is protect protect Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's your hashtag,
1: protect Josh Allen. Um, that's it, man. All off season, your third priority was um, an influx of speed separation and youth in the wide receiver room. Where do you fall when it comes right now to Gabe Davis? I I want to I, I want to read a tweet. I don't have it to pull up, but it's from a guy named Jer Barlow. I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but I, I think it's worth discussing. And this is what gave me the uh, idea to to have this topic this week. This was his tweet. He said, "Gabe isn't the issue. He's a great fourth round pick. It will only be an issue if we go in the next season with him as the number two, which he clearly isn't. It's more about stats." He's a limited route runner with poor short and medium separation skills. Need more at number two. And I, I follow you on Twitter, and we're friends, and I watch your show with Greg's. I kind of know where you're going with that. But when you hear something like that for people watching and, and listening to the show right now, like how do
3: you respond to that? That they need more talent. Is that what he said?
1: Uh, he's saying that he, he's a he's a good player. You know, he's not. Right. A, he was a good draft pick. He's saying that he's uh, as, forget throw the stats out. He's a limited route runner and has poor separation skills, especially mm-hmm. on short and medium routes. And mm-hmm. just feels that they need more at the number two wide receiver position. Now, I know you could point out, and you have that statistically, Gabe Davis is not a bad number two receiver overall. You know, when you compare Mm -hmm. it to the rest of the league and you talk about this a lot where sometimes context matters, you know, Mm -hmm. where does a guy rank among his peers around the league as opposed to what you think? You think that Gabe Davis needs to be T Higgins and that's not necessarily true. That's That's where my
3: that's where I think the frustrating part of this whole conversation is uh, past. So yesterday I put out I I did a. I was thinking about this whole conversation cuz it's clearly a talking point on Twitter about wide receiver 2, right? Everybody's talking about wide receiver 2, how do you get better there? And I don't I am in football philosophy terms, I don't even believe that wide receiver 2 is a thing anymore. I think it used to be like uh for Bills fans reference, Eric Moulds and Peerless Price. You had to have one guy and then another guy those slightly different and they were boundary guys and those are going to be your top two targets. I don't necessarily believe that has to be the case in the NFL anymore. You need production and you need to have a certain amount of production from your whole group, regardless of where it comes from, right? So I wanted to put that out there, but then I wanted to look at, to your point, I'm always trying to, I know that people think I'm a homer. I know that people think I'm just looking at the bills through rose colored lenses and that's the only way I look at it. But really what I want to do is compare us to our peers. And I think every time you do that, it's never as bad as people feel like this team is. The gap is never as far as everybody feels like it is because I, I do think it's important to compare to the people you're going up against here. And in terms of separation and lack of route running, I think this is a little bit of a myth that. I think it's overstated. Um, I love Joe Marino. He and I are good friends. We talk all the time. I think a lot of this, um, the, what people are saying is based on podcasts he's done where he's talked about the lack of separation, the lack of a route tree and, um, who was a Patrick Peterson on his podcast this year had made a comment that they knew the routes. There were limited amount of routes that Gabe Davis is going to run. So he knew what they were going to be working on. Yeah. He, runs, that, he said he runs three routes, but that's not... <laughs> I don't think that's a Gabe Davis thing, dude. I think that was a Ken Dorsey problem. I really do. I think that Ken Dorsey's utilization of both Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis are um, at the center of the how we're having these conversations about these guys in this offseason. And unfortunately, Gabe Davis is really the lightning rod. But I think it's because the expectations got way too high after his performance in Kansas City. And this happens a lot with players where our own expectations maybe ramp up. Far too high for a guy to hit, and when they don't hit and meet our expectations, then we are out on them, right? Like there's no middle ground. Of Ed Oliver right now is the same thing. He's a undersized guy that was drafted high, so everybody plop, plopped an Aaron Donald comparison on him. And because he doesn't play like Aaron Donald and isn't making crazy splash plays like that, everybody's calling the guy a bust. He's a good interior defensive lineman. Like he creates havoc. Is there flaws? Yes. Do we want him to get better? Yes. Has he lived up to his draft pick? Probably not. But that doesn't mean like, oh, let's get this guy out of here. He sucks. And that's where the conversation right now is with Gabe Davis. And I think when you look, you compare him along all those other wide receiver too So what I did yesterday was I went through uh, Sports Info Solutions, which is a great website uh, that has a ton of data. And I took all the NFL teams' second leading person in targets, regardless of position, regardless of injuries that happened to him And I took every single second leader, pass catcher, and targets and and compared them to each other. And Gabe Davis really does check out. Yes, his completion percentage is lower. Yes, his drop rate's higher. But his average depth of target is actually a lot higher than all these other guys. And so the further downfield you go, you have to expect a lack in efficiency. That's just football, right? Like the, the, the we had this conversation about Josh Allen, 20-yard, 20 20-yard 20 air yard passes. Like It's not an efficient play, but it's explosive. And you want that in your offense. I do think as the year went on, Ken Dorsey got better. At utilizing some of these guys. I I believe maybe he has some limitations athletically. Uh, I don't think that he necessarily has a limited route tree. Uh, Eric Turner on cover one in our cover one Slack channel did a really great job on, uh, passes, uh, passes that went to Gabe Davis of nine yards or less in that like short to intermediate area. And he ran fine routes and got separation. Some of this conversation also needs to be about Josh Allen like Josh Allen was not as effective in placing guys uh putting the ball in spots where guys could make plays in some of these routes and you saw it show up in the clips that Eric uh put out but we aren't allowed to criticize Josh and so I think Gabe has it's kind of true. Yeah, I think Gabe has some growth to do. I think he needs to be a little bit better. I don't think it's the sky is falling. I put out a tweet that said, you know, what do you consider good wide receiver two production and everybody answered me T Higgins Everybody wants the top, uh, tier across every single position. And that's just not how the NFL works. Right. T Higgins was a first round pick. Gabe Davis is a fourth round pick. Like you have to have different expectations of how these guys are. I think if you change a little bit of Gabe Davis's utilization, the production would be better. He was, he also only played in 15 games. I think if you put him up in a 17 game season, he's a lot closer to those guys. He's almost at a thousand yards, probably nine to 10 touchdowns, almost like that. That's a really good season. For number two, I get your point where he disappeared at times, but again, I think some of that is a Ken Dorsey thing. I think some of that's Josh Allen. If you go look at that Bengals game, dude, Gabe Davis had Cam Taylor Britt beat a ton of times for big plays. Josh Allen didn't throw it to him or he missed him, And Gabe probably should have had 150 yards and multiple touchdowns in that game. Is that a Gabe Davis problem? No, it's not. Like sometimes it's on Josh, sometimes it's on Dorsey, and sometimes on Gabe. Gabe's not perfect. I'm willing to upgrade. Like I'm not sold on Gabe Davis necessarily. I'm just saying we have to have a real honest conversation. And you mentioned separation. And I think that this is a uh, one that's interesting to me because I looked at uh, next gen stats separation. And so Gabe Davis is at 2.8 yards of separation per player or whatever uh, on average. Stephon Diggs is also 2.8. Mike Williams, uh, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins. Jahan Dotson, Josh Reynolds, DJ Moore, Marquez valdez scantling And all, and I think people would take those names and say they're better at that than yeah. Gabe Davis is. When he's right there, the data's not going to lie to you, right? Um, per, people that are 0.1 yard ahead of Gabe Davis in separation would be uh, Brandon Cooks, a player that a lot of people want. Trent Sheffield, Sheffield from Miami, uh, Randall Cobb, Brandon Ayuk, who, uh, Christian Watson, Nico Collins, Devontae Smith. Devante Adams. They're all at 2.9. So this idea that he can't separate or his route tree is too limited. I think that's too far there. He's got flaws. We want him to improve. I think he can improve. And another thing on the drop rate stuff. Yeah, it was super high. But if I went again to sports information solutions and went through wide receivers from 2019 to 2022 and looked at who had the highest drop rates per year, there's some really good names on here, man. Jerry, Judy, actually led with a 17.6 in 2020. Deontay Johnson's up there. Michael Gallup, who fans were clamoring for a couple years, is one of the best wide receiver twos to hit the market. Uh, Hollywood Brown. um, Debo Samuel's been up there. CeeDee Lamb. DK Metcalf. Jamar Chase. These are guys that are all in the top 10 over the last five years in drop rates. What you don't see is that consistency where they're up there year over year. I think drops come and go. We saw it with Dawson Knox. We've seen it with guys like Zay Jones in the past where they had a really bad year with drops, but they really rarely replicate that type of struggle with drops year over year. So I I think some of it is a pump the brakes conversation. It's probably not as bad as it feels, but I I would be all for an upgrade. If there was an opportunity for them to upgrade and it wouldn't break the bank or do anything to really hurt the future, let's do it. I'm not sold on Gabe.
1: One one point that you make that I think is is extremely fair that's not talked about enough And last week, I think we talked about defensive ends and you brought this up and I I thought it was a really good point last week too, is that when a player sometimes is not working out, it's not always just that player. It's a combination of the coaching, the scheme, the quarterback in this case, because you're talking about a wide receiver. So it is fair to say that it's not just alone Gabe Davis that maybe isn't living up to what some people thought he would be, which again, in fairness to Gabe Davis coming off that Kansas city game last year with four touchdowns and over 200 yards might've been a little bit unreasonable. I would say this too, with the drops and this is where sometimes I hate stats, even though everything you said is accurate. Sometimes it's not the, how many drops you have. It's when you make the drops, One like, sure. dropping the ball on, on a, second and six pass is a lot different than dropping a ball on fourth down down the field against the Jets when you're trying to totally. win a game or tie a game at the end, or that Cincinnati game when you desperately need a spark, and Josh, who did have trouble finding him, but did put it right there, and he doesn't hold mm-hmm. on to the ball, and then they punt, and they're already down two or three scores at that Definitely. point. So I, it's not so much how many drops is when you have the drops. Sure, He's a little too boom and bust. Well, let me ask you this too, okay, because before I get to the boom and bust stuff, Do you think that because of where he's at, like his shortcomings, whatever they may be, if this was after year one or even year two, maybe you're a little more willing to just try to work through it. But now you're talking about a guy who's going into his fourth year. And if he's great and he turns all this around, now you're talking about a really big price tag to keep him. And if he doesn't, then you get in another year of inconsistent production. So do you think the fact that he's going into his fourth year and he's not just the first or second, that might make you say we need to do something else at, you know, he's taking a position that someone else better could be out there playing it because of where he's at in his career going into year four.
3: Maybe. Again, I'm for an upgrade. Um, I think you keep him. And... the conversation I was having with Greg last night is I do believe the bills need to really start investing some youth into this room because outside of Gabe Davis, there hasn't been any assets really used on younger. It's always been guys on second and third contracts, getting guys that are a little bit older, which is fine. I think it mattered a little bit more when Josh was younger, but now that Josh is coming into his own, like you need an influx of youth. So for the 2023 season, I'm okay with Gabe Davis being your second best wide receiver. I actually don't think the weapons on the Buffalo bills are as far off as people think. And when they got booted out of the playoffs, Me neither. the feeling was way worse. And everybody started tweeting out like, oh, you look at these other four teams, how much better their skill position players Cause are. Cause they got mind. held
1: to 10 points that game. It's a bad They got, got held game. to
3: 10 points. It didn't look good, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you right now, uh, watching it back and talking to some people, a lot more of that being held to 10 points is probably on, Josh Allen than maybe anybody else uh, on that offense. He just had a bad game. He had a really bad game, and that's going to reflect poorly on everyone else. But nobody wants to talk about Josh, and so it's a lot easier to dump on Gabe because we already were. Uh, And so I think that those guys become lightning bolts for maybe our uh, inability to face that Josh performed poorly in a big moment.
1: That's fair. I mean, look, guys become punching bags, whether it's deserved or not. Roger Saffold, who I don't think is good, even if he had a good game, if you're going to just look at the offensive line, he'd be really quick to just point at him and say, you know, this guy sucked. The the problem with Gabe Davis, and and then I think there is a solution which you've hit on, and I think you're 100% right. But I just wrote down, wrote a couple numbers down. 20 games for Gabe Davis last year, including the playoffs. Nine of those 20 games, he had under 40 yards receiving. He had 171 yards against Pittsburgh. That was 21% of his yards for the entire season in one game because he had 836 for the year. Then I went back to 2021. of his receiving yards came in two games against the Jets in Carolina. On the plus side, he does have 20 touchdowns in in three years. He does average 16.8 yards per catch. So he's a big play guy for sure. Um, I think going back again to the coach, I, I think the weapons around him, and this is where it comes back to your Ken Dorsey point, which I think you're spot on with it. Get better production across the board. You don't need to have a quote-unquote number two receiver who has 1,000 yards. It doesn't have to be the formula. Get the ball to Dawson Knox a little bit more. They did a better mm-hmm. job of that later in the season. But yeah. I remember, you know, Joe at Buffalo Windsor just loves to find something about the Bills to to be ne- negative and bitch about. He was right early on because it's like you gave Dawson Knox this huge contract and the guy's
3: catching two balls for 16 uh, yards. Even,
1: Great blocker even or not.
3: Yeah, he alluded it to himself at some point in the season. Yeah. Yeah, I, they're not necessarily using me how I thought. Right. Yeah, so get him.
1: He, he needs to be a better weapon going forward, more consistently. James Cook. I mean, didn't we draft? Wasn't I excited last year about drafting James Cook in the second round because of how he was coming out of the backfield? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he they had zero. He had zero targets against the Bengals. Zero. Right. You know. Um. And and then to Greg's point about a slot receiver, I do think that should be a priority. Although, I for um. I'm guessing, you know, there's nothing that shows me that he's going to be great, but for whatever reason, I just got this gut feeling. I think Khalil Shakir is going to be a pretty good receiver. Now, I think it might have been you on your show on Wednesday night who was talking about he might be more of a three or four receiver guy who could play inside and outside. not sure if you're sold on him being like the team's primary slot receiver.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?
3: yeah that was greg who i i think i'm a little higher on shakir shakir's um to me is a guy that when you look at him he doesn't appear as athletic as he actually is uh and every time he touches the ball he's gaining yards he's always going forward and there's flaws in his game early on he was missing blocks he was running wrong routes, stuff that you do kind of anticipate from rookies. I'm hoping that he takes a big leap here this year. I'd like to see him maybe utilize more in some of the gadget stuff because I do think uh, I got a little bit killed for this by some people and some guy uh, on Twitter just continues to bring it up on me. But I had a comparison to Robert Woods and not in a comparison that I think that he's going to be as productive as Robert Woods has necessarily been in his career. But in terms of when you looked at Robert Woods and you saw him play, you didn't think of him as a speed guy. Right. Like or somebody that was like super athletic, but he is, and he's always getting yards after catch and he's always breaking tackles and things like that. And he is somebody that you can use in some of the, uh, jet motion type stuff, screen game type stuff. I'd like to see Khalil Shakira take that role over. I want Isaiah McKenzie off this team. I, I that role isn't needed. He's, he's a very, uh, straight line speed guy. He doesn't do much with the ball in his hands. I'd like to see Khalil taking over some of that stuff this year, plus getting worked into the slot. I don't know that he can be your number one main slot guy. I think you need to get him involved in this. We saw him uh, with the ability to make some really impressive catches. We saw him with the ability to run with the ball after the play. I, I like what he can provide in this offense. I'm not sure if he can be the slot or not, but I would, I would like to see it uh, and see him get a chance to do that this summer. Do
1: you so you would say good production for Khalil Shakir in year two would be a 2021 Isaiah McKenzie, where wasn't the starter, but did some things for him. He had a couple of good games McKenzie in 2021. To your mm-hmm. point about Isaiah, by the way, they could save like 2.4 million. So I do think there's a possibility that they think do he's good as that going. they 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 do move on from him. All right so when it all comes pushing shelf with the receivers, Khalil Shakir digs, let's not even talk about him. Shakir ain't going nowhere I don't think Gabe, they're not going to cut Gabe Davis. There's just zero financial sense to cut him. It just doesn't, it's not going to happen. He's on year four of a rookie contract. That shit ain't happening. So there's three right there. I agree with you about McKenzie. What else do they, what do you think ultimately they, they do? Not what do you think they should do? We, we That's already been established. So you know the situation with who they have and when they want to resign and what they may or may not do. Cole Beasley has said that if he would like to come back to Buffalo. Do you first? side question? Do you think that would be a mistake for the Bills to bring him back, or do you go bigger fish hunting if you want another a better slot receiver? What do you ultimately think they're going to do? Not necessarily what you want them to do. At the position,
3: I'm torn, man, because that it really could go two ways. I, there's a scenario where I could see them bringing back Crowder who they thought could be that slot position guy, but wasn't healthy and he's never had the ability to stay healthy, but I could see them buying into that idea again. And then Cole Beasley, which is not sexy. Like I could see them running that type of thing back. So it's hard for me to separate what I think they will do and what I want them to do because what I want them to do, I think is also on the table, which is to address it in free agency with maybe a player that's underperformed on his current, you know, younger guy, somewhere like 25, 26, that maybe is underperformed or had some injuries, but had high draft stock, has some high traits. There's some guys out there with some speed uh, that you can put in that Isaiah McKenzie role or wide receivers four through six. I'd like to see him make that investment in free agency. And then I do think as much as I am about this, protect Josh Allen. And I've done mocks where it's three or four offensive linemen in a row if a receiver falls to you in those first three rounds of the draft that you think can be somebody that can either push Gabe Davis now or into the future where you're not going to have him, And let, we also have to have an honest conversation about Stefan Diggs approaching 30 and when he's going to hit a wall and how that's going to look for us, because I, I think you need that influx of guys. So if you have an opportunity, whether it's uh, the kid from Ohio state to fix the slot or some of these guys that could be uh, more traditional wide receiver two type guys, I do think that this might be the year where you have to do it in those first three rounds and make a serious investment into your wide receiver room. So that that to me is both what I think I want them to do is the investment in free agency plus the draft uh, and also uh, where I think that they might be looking.
1: Um, wide receiver taken early in the draft, I like the idea because again, Gabe Davis is going into a contract year. So if he plays well, he may want more than what you're willing to pay him and if he doesn't you're definitely going to want to move on from him after that. So
3: having a- I would love also uh there's a lot of these rumors about T Higgins being on the trade block. I think that's bullshit. I don't think I think the Bengals would be idiots to try to break up having two number one wide receivers while you still got them. There's no benefit. I mean they're in a Super Bowl window, so why would you do that? Right. Ty- Tyler Boyd might be one though yeah. to keep an eye on because I don't think they'll be able to keep all three of those guys. And I again I don't know that Tyler Boyd's an answer to anything, but it could be a one year band-aid while you're still in your Super Bowl run to, And he would be perfect in a slot role.
1: I think how the team internally feels about Khalil Shakir will be pretty telling by what they do at the position. If they do bring back Cole Beasley or Jamison Crowder, that tells me that, yeah, those guys might play a little more early, but that they trust Shakir a little bit more down the road. All right, let's finish with our uh weekly finish the thought, finish the sentence, whatever uh you you want to call it? And by the way, I, I do want to say you you did hit on wide receivers and draft picks. We will do for a third or a year actually with Aaron. I'm going to have him on. We're going to do six weekly mock drafts starting sometime in March, leading right up to the draft. Those are always fun. Last year, you and I were Cam Taylor Britt. I think we took him in five of our six mock He's gonna drafts. He's going to be a good player, man. He is going to be a good player. I like him a lot. Anyway, all right. So we're going to have just like every week three random questions. Just an opportunity. For people to know a little bit more about Aaron, and I guess by extension myself as well, let's start with a song that will forever put me in a good mood when I hear it is
3: blank. So I'm cheating a little bit on this one, Pat, because I want to give you two answers because one of them, this is a conversation we've had a couple of times. My answer would be Step in the Name of Love remix by R. Kelly the remix version. It's a long song. It's beautiful. It's a great R and B song. It gets me in the mood. Whenever I got to clean the house, I pop it on, but I don't feel like I can say that because he's such a piece of shit. And I like, I, there's part of me that hates right. listening to his music, but he's, it's such, it's such good music. Mm-hmm. I'm torn. I'm torn on R Kelly, man. So I can't, I can't put it, but I wanted you to know it's a fantastic song. It gets me in a good mood. The one that I am going to go with. I've talked about on the show before, actually it's remember the time by Michael Jackson. I'd like when he starts, <laughs> that, that, i just it, it, it is yeah. good. you i can't be mad and i get up and i just feel i feel all through my body i just want to dance that, that i i really like that one a lot i'm going with it's from
1: the 80s uh you remember rock steady by the whispers we mm-hmm. begin to rock every time i hear that i just start doing this And no matter what i'm doing if it's in the house out somewhere i hear that just sometimes when i go to the to a bar i put that in the jukebox i just want to get pumped up and get it uh in a good mood not the best song ever but it's it's certainly one that i like and it it just always kind of uplifts me a little bit puts me gives me a really good vibe all right moving on here one of my favorite things to do for alleviating stress is
3: blank. used to be bong hits now it's (laughs) a hot tub we got a hot tub and i love going in there and just soaking on a cold you got a hot tub Yeah. yeah really my favorite thing in that we own. Absolutely. We we actually we bought the house, it had one. Uh, that one broke. I bought a new one immediately. I will never live without one again. I just love soaking in the hot tub. It just and it does. It brings me right back. I just sit out there in the cold and soak in it for 20 minutes. I feel great.
1: I'm not privileged enough to own a hot tub. I do <laughs> have my my sister-in-law has one at her house in Orchard Park, which is about maybe 10 minutes away. I've been yeah. there a couple of times. My my son goes there a lot. He hangs out with uh my nephew. And so he's always in the hot tub for me. It's, I know this is a really boring answer. I just like to walk and, and I'll go on a walk with it. headphones on, man. 90% of the time it'll be music. Once in a while it'll be a podcast. Now to be fair and honest, I also, I did this a lot more in Florida. It was always nice out. It's I nice. would walk around. We had a complex with about a, maybe a quarter of a mile, third of a mile, you know, area. And I would just walk around the parking lot a couple times a day. And listen to music and just walk it just felt good i love gets that. rid of stress i haven't really done
3: it so much here in buffalo it's hard it's hard the last four no months
1: fucking gonna be snowing or raining or cold <laughs> and freezing don't get me started man yeah dude my <laughs> wife and
3: i honestly we go for uh one of our big things is going for walks we go for like three mile walks almost every day when the weather is nice and it sucks this time of year because you just can't do it
1: Ugh, i'm going to uh florida actually i'm going to florida this year for saint patrick's day which is was a tough decision, but there's something going on in Florida specifically that I want to go for. It's going to be tough to want for me to want to come back, man. It's because it's going to be so gorgeous. Uh, now, to be fair, in Buffalo by St. Patrick's Day, it's usually starting to get nicer. In fact, last year I went on a pub crawl and it was like 70 degrees. I was wearing a t-shirt last year in uh, Buffalo for St. Patrick's. I'll Day. be uh,
3: I'll be heading to Hawaii next week, and I don't think I'm going to want to leave. Oh, really? I've never been to Hawaii. It's awesome. This is your first time going? Second. Yeah. No, we we went. 2019 i think 2018 um and, and i just have been wanting to go back ever since i can't wait i'm gonna go for a lot of walks
1: well. <laughs> all right last question for aaron quinn here who has a hot tub and goes to hawaii multiple times a band or group that seems so cool that you wish you could be in
3: it is the funk brothers really they're the the house band for motown throughout the, the high era of Motown and there's a documentary about them out there. And I just think I'm enamored with the Motown sound. Sure. You you're a big fan of Smokey. Um, that, that whole, the creativity that happened in that building and the sound that those guys put out and the, the funk brothers are behind every, any Motown hit you like that's the house band that put it together. And that seems to me like I, there's a, um, my wife always says it. I have very good rhythm, she thinks I should be making music for a living. Like I have a good ear for it. And she's like, what would you be? And I was like, I just want to be like one of those funky drummers behind a Motown band, like just like pop in and just- so you'd want to drum, you'd be a drummer in your world? I would be a drummer for a Motown band if I could. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I could, I actually could feel that vibe with you. I could see that, man. I could see if we were this age back in the, in the Motown era, I could totally see you. Like I'd I'd be coming up to some cigar club or something to meet up with Aaron Quinn have a drink and, and watch him play with the with the house man. It would be <laughs> pretty That's cool. It. I know you ain't agree, you're not going to agree with mine because you've literally on this podcast said they are whack. But I gotta be honest with you, man. If you're looking at this on YouTube, I even have a, a pack of their trading cards here. New kids on the block. By the way, I picked these up, tops trading cards.
3: Unopened. You you just want all the girls screaming at you.
1: Yeah, dude. That's cool, man. <laughs> having chicks with pinups of me on the wall, but yo, that, that, that group. And again, you're right. There's so many boy bands that were better than them. I'm not going to deny that, but just at the, at the height of their popularity, they were larger than life, man. You know what I'm saying? And it would be as a young person, I would like that as an older person. No, I'd rather be rich and successful than famous. But as a young person like that, to be in a band, that would be ultimate just to be able to, To have girls screaming at you, no matter where you go, that probably would just be the coolest thing ever.
3: I almost uh, put Earth, Wind, and Fire because that's one of my. That's like I think they're the most talented R and B group uh, of all time. They're great, and when you watch them playing. Like it was a huge band, tons of members, and they just are having a blast playing music, but they wore the dumbest stuff. So I couldn't get myself Like, I don't think I would want to have to match with the crap that they're wearing in their videos. They wore some funky <laughs> ass gear, man.
1: <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you check Aaron and Greg out cover one Buffalo podcast on Wednesday nights, except for next week, because Aaron's going to be uh in Hawaii. But aside from that, Make sure you check it out. It's a great show. Seriously, I, I really do get good value when I when I listen to you guys. Follow Aaron on Twitter, too, at Aaron Quinn 716 Enjoy the weekend, buddy, man. Thank you very much I for the show, it, man. man. Yeah, you too. All right, guys. I'll talk to you as well. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. We didn't even talk about the Super Bowl. Real quick, Aaron, who you got? I'm hoping for the Eagles. Me too, man. All right. Go Eagles. Talk to you guys next week.